Welcome to an off-season edition of the Catfish Corner, and we now will have catfish in Nashville for the next 30 years. And we're discussing a new lease uh, with Bridgestone Arena that will go through 2049 here with uh, Nate Rao of the Tennessean, uh, business reporter. Hello, Nate. Hey, how's it going? Joe Rexro, columnist. Hi, Tommy. Hello. And Paul Scarbina, our beat writer and regular Catfish Corner podcaster. It's great to be back. So, um, I don't know how many people expected this to come when it came. I think everybody figured sooner or later that the um, Predators would be extending their lease with Bridgestone. But this is a little bit of a different arrangement where they're taking on a lot. Um, Nate, you've, you've covered these negotiations or these developments over over time. You want to kind of give us some background and tell us what this deal entails and, and how they got there? Yeah, sure. So, basically... The Predators have had a lease to run Bridgestone Arena for the city and the Sports Authority, which is the landlord. And under the terms of the of that lease, the team um, receives incentives to book as many non-hockey games, concerts, basketball tournaments as possible. And they also re- would receive a subsidy to cover their losses to, that it costs to actually run the arena. So that... Um, arrangement has cost the city in total about eight and a half million dollars per year and they have a current agreement that goes into until 2028 and you're right there was discussions that maybe this is something that could come together but it really wasn't on anyone's radar screen until about the last year and uh, what ended up happening was the Preds struck a deal with Mayor David Briley's administration to extend the deal 30 years from now. So until 2049, that's going to keep them at Bridgestone Arena. And in exchange for that security, the operating subsidy that I just mentioned goes away. So it's a win for the city because that money had been coming out of their general fund, the same fund they used to pay police officers, pay uh teachers etc you're right that's going to go away they're going to have more money to do those kinds of things the predators keep the the uh, incentives the sales tax incentives for the non-hockey events and they also are going to keep the ticket uh, surcharges really the ticket tax that they're adding on to each ticket that a fan buys and they can use that ticket tax money for capital upgrades at the building. And that would be like what we've seen. I know these guys know better than me, but we've seen them put in a new sound system. They put in new boards this season, I believe. Um, So some of those upgrades have uh, benefited fans and some have more benefited the team. And the Preds will now have the burden, the uh, risk of being in charge of those as opposed to the city. But it's the same funding stream as it was before. What's fascinating to me about this is if if this – was all followed through on they will have been in that same building for 50 years which is just unheard of in today's sports landscape which is that 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 was the most mind-boggling thing to me is that they're making this commitment to stay in this building for 50 some years which is i've never heard of that i mean you know that's that's old school stuff you know and i i failed to bring my notes into this so i want to make sure i have it right but i believe sean henry said 350 million in improvements planned over the next 20 years that sound right to everybody? That is correct. I can't yeah, believe I three, actually It might have been that. 360 even uh, around okay. that. Yeah. yeah, so we're in the – that's – so they obviously – I agree, Paul. I mean, it's it's very unique in that way. And also, they've got some big plans for this building. And, and I'm interested to see how that unfolds. Uh, we, we talked uh, with Sean Henry and with the mayor 
Um, the mayor more talked about the governmental end of it, obviously, but Sean talked about the improvements and, and, and described an arena that's a little different than what we're looking at now as it evolves and, and how it becomes, how it involves more of what's outside the arena. Nate, you want to tackle that and kind of try to explain some of the things he discussed? Well, when that building was constructed, there was nothing to their south. It was literally uh, vacant fields and lots. There was uh, Lower Broadway was a fraction of what it is now. You had a couple of honky-tonks. You had a couple of restaurants. Now it's one of the most vibrant tourist districts by almost any measure in, in the country. And so they have tapped into that. They've built uh, a new, when I say new, over the last, what, five years, south entrance on Demumbrian. They have added um, more, like, lounges and things like that for people to take advantage of the tourism district that it is. So it's like from the – you know, you can you can go to a bar before the game starts. There's stuff to do uh, during the game more than there used to be, certainly. And then after the game uh, experience as well. So we've seen – look at all the stuff we've seen on uh, Lower Broad in the last few years. CMA Fest continues to grow. We had the Preds uh, Stanley Cup um, rally a couple of years ago that really opened people's eyes of like this mixture of like sports and music and entertainment. And then obviously just a few weeks ago with the NFL draft and a crowd of over 200,000 people. So what they're saying is, yeah, we're taking on a little bit more risk to commit to a building for 30 years. But we have a location and we're in the middle of an entertainment district that is totally unique in all professional sports. How much of that being new here? I mean, how much of that has to do with the arena itself, though? I mean, how much of that growth has to do with that arena being there? Well, I can speak a little to that because I worked in, in Nashville in the, the mid-'80s uh, up to the early-'90s, uh, like 1991, uh, with the Nashville banner, and, and there was no Bridgestone Arena at that time. But there was a full block downtown right across the street or one block down called Adult World. I mean, it was like the world's largest adult bookstore. And I think it physically probably was, although I'm not sure how many books they sold there. Um, but that was the red light district. I mean, there, you know, the, it, you got all the way down to second and it was a nice entertainment district, just that one second Avenue. But the rest of it was just like, eh, you're not really going to walk down there unless you're up to something nefarious. So I, th- I think a lot of it, there was probably a lot of planning and everything, but you don't put the arena there, you don't get the rest. So, so it is different. And, and Paul, you get to travel a lot and see a lot of other arenas. How unique is this setup? I mean, it's I, I don't know that I can think of one off the top of my head that is situated like that. I mean, there are a few that are are in the middle. Of, you know, I think Pittsburgh's probably one that's you know their, their sports complex. Philly's got like a little complex, but right downtown in a city like that, um, it's hard for me to. I can't think off the top of my head. I was I was thinking it on the way over here. Um, and it's it's there are stadiums built so Arizona for example their arena is they kind of built a little city around it in Glendale because they didn't they're not in Phoenix yeah the um, Atlanta Braves are similar now yeah and, and so I think it's it's kind of you know the way the Predators have done it with that with downtown Nashville is kind of the reverse of that usually they, they build around these arenas right you know after they build them out somewhere out in the middle of nowhere what they what they want to do here obviously is keep this team right in, right in the heart of the city so I, to answer your question I, I can't think of one off the top of my head there may be one or two out there um i mean vegas obviously is you know i, I don't know if i count vegas but you know vegas is kind of right you know they're, they're in, the, in the middle of everything there but you know that's the only one i can even think of that's even sort of similar 
Joe, well, talk, if you would, about a little about what you think this means for the city, for the franchise, and everything long-term. Well, actually, okay, you asked me a question. I'm going to ask Nate a question okay. now. <laughs> I'm going to transfer your Nate, question to Nate. Nate, if you would ask Paul a question <laughs> instead of replying. Yeah, let's just keep yeah, throwing questions keep around at each other. I, I, one thing I don't have a great sense for on this is is the uniqueness of this arrangement. Do you have a feel for that in terms of professional teams and cities making deals like this? It's been probably seven years, so I'm tapping into my memory bank a little bit. But we compared this deal to other southeastern kind of non-traditional hockey markets, and it was the most favorable deal at that time. It was really unusual for the operating losses to be covered the way it was. Like cities building arenas for teams, that's typical. There's only a few in the whole country that weren't built by the government. So So paying the debt for the Bridgestone Arena was never unusual. When this deal became unique was in 2007 when they were about to leave town and a local ownership group came in and bought the team. But even at that point, they didn't have it. What they knew walking in that they couldn't make the business work. They needed a more favorable, favorable deal to make it work. They had a brand new mayor get elected a few months later in Carl Dean. And so you had new ownership group, new mayor negotiating an unprecedented deal. And, you know, at the time when we wrote that story several years ago, seven years ago, we interviewed experts who said this deal is held up as completely unique in professional sports. So how about the, the, the pivot to this? Did you could you envision that then? And I guess maybe at what point would you have thought this might be on the plate? When I started covering the Predators arrangement with the city, it was actually actually in early 2008. And there was a, I don't want to call it toxic, but there was a contentious relationship with the city. The sports authority was constantly hauling the owners in to to hold them accountable for infractions on their lease agreement. There were legitimate threats about them leaving town. They had to reach an attendance um, minimum to qualify for certain incentives with the city and with the league and and the revenue sharing. So it uh, it was a difficult arrangement. And... I think the turning point has to be when uh, Tom Sigaran, the lead owner, hired Jeff Kogan and Sean Henry to lead the franchise. Those two, and Sean told us this today, he reiterated, they made it a priority to improve their relationships with the city. I mean, I'm not trying to give positive PR to the Preds. I've written more negative stories about their arrangement with the city than anybody, but I can definitively say, because I've seen it with my own eyes, they have accomplished that. They've turned this into something where it wasn't a difficult down-to-the-wire arrangement to update the lease. It was a positive kind of free-flowing conversation with the Briley administration that came together. This isn't going to be viewed as controversial in city politics at all. And 12 years ago, when that first deal was approved with Mayor Dean, it was. Future Mayor Megan Barry voted against that deal. They had to lobby like crazy to scratch and claw to get that deal approved. So those that time is totally gone. They have a tremendous relationship with the city, and their business operations have completely stabilized. Joe, what do you think the, the long-term impact is? I see you thought you could get out of this. but <laughs> Yeah, I thought you were going to forget that question. I, well, I... <sighs> I do like Sean Henry. Clearly, uh, when I think you asked him about risk, and he was—I mean, to, to paraphrase, like, yeah, there's not a lot of risk. You know, they, they feel good about this. I, it's hard for me to to say why they shouldn't. Um, I guess you know if the team were to—I mean, you always have you know 41 nights there are still you know, revolving around the team. It's still about that team, although every major musical act 
plays there too, which is a huge deal. But I guess if the team had a a significant downturn for a significant period of time, then you know maybe. I mean, look, that's always there's always that risk, I guess. And so, but but short of that, I just I feel like uh, again, I think the uniqueness as we were talking about this earlier, what Paul was talking about trying to figure out other places. There's a lot of places, arena districts that have things around it, but. Vegas probably is the only thing that we, where you're talking about a destination for people that go just for the entertainment. No one's like, oh, I really love that sports bar next to, uh, you know, next to the Comerica Brave Stadium, Park yeah. Or, yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm not going for that, right? People come here just for that. And it's like, oh, there's a hockey arena there. I mean, that happens. So that's uh, that that coexistence to me is just it's unique and it's it looks awfully uh, strong uh, long term. Paul, what do you think it means for the franchise? Um, you know that I'm definitely you're talking about Preds are going to be here forever, basically. Well, I mean, I, the obvious implications are what you just said. I think the, the you know the, the the back the back end implications, you know, kind of what blew in what Joe said a little bit is, you know, on, on the flip side of what he said, if you know, assuming that they don't have a huge downturn, let's assume they win a Stanley Cup in one of the in the next five years if that were to happen this deal becomes a lot sweeter for the predators because this extends now the life of the popularity of the franchise it buys them a lot of time right so so being successful you know with the with the hockey team which is what drives what started to drive this i think can have huge implications there's a huge incentive for them to put out a good product and try to win because you know once you do that and i've seen it happen with with the blackhawks and the bulls and the you know you know the cubs i mean when in the 1980s when i was growing up the nobody went to cubs games right and then all of a sudden they turned around you know the 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 mission of the franchise and people started going more and they make wrigley field this destination and wrigley wrigleyville if you want to compare like and it's not a hockey comparison but wrigleyville it's not downtown but there is the, the, the ambiance around that place is why people go. They don't necessarily always go for, to go to Wrigley Field. They go because they want to hang out in Wrigleyville. It's the same thing with Nashville here, right? Like, so it's not maybe not a fair comparison, but I think being successful on the ice um, would ha- would be a huge benefit to them long term because you can buy a lot of years by winning one. You know, the, the city's never won a Stanley Cup, right? So if you win a Stanley Cup here. I don't even know how many years that buys you. Ten or fifteen years of, of you know gratuity from fans who who you know and, and and not to mention what new fans could come along and and, and all that. But you know, so I think winning still is important. I think Sean and, and you know the ownership group understands that. I think they invest heavily in trying to win, and obviously didn't work this year. But you know, I, I don't think you're going to see them become stagnant because they have. I think they have more incentive now to be to to do well. Nate, one of the other things brought up as is, is part of the plan um, over the next couple of summers is to um, to build the arena bigger inside, to, to add 1,200 seats, I think. Um, what kind of events? Obviously, the, the SEC basketball tournament is here for a long time, 2035, I think, is the end of that. The, the lease on the previous lease at Bridgestone with the Predators operating group was to expire in 2028. Mm-hmm. So that this is longer um what what do you think a made them do this now rather than wait on both sides and and b what do you think uh, event wise this might lead to um uh, more concerts what well to answer your first question mayor barley's up for re-election 
yeah. in August. The Predators are incredibly popular. So this helps him uh, secure a popular um, component in our community for 30 years. That's gonna be, I think it's going to be a popular decision with voters. So that had a little bit to do with the timing. And I think for the Preds, there are, I think there are some bigger capital projects that they want to do that they want to get going on. Sean talked about a three to five year time frame for some of those major, more major renovations, like on the southeast corner of the building. A lot of fans maybe aren't aware of this, but there's a pretty large like rehearsal venue that all the country artists in town will go practice in before they go out on tour or before they have a big show at Bridgestone. They can use that space for, I think you're going to see built-in honky-tonks and entertainment in that space. And then the other, I think, sort of grandiose uh, plan or, or possibility, not a plan, but possibility is like a tower on the, uh, what would that be, the northwest side <laughs> uh, that could be a hotel or something, something like that, condos, that they could really utilize the space more. I think probably more hotel. So th- those are like sort of the long, those p- projects that they couldn't have gotten going on if they didn't have this deal in place. I think that had a lot to do with the timing. And those are sort of some of the bigger things that you could see there. Adding 1,200 seats is nothing to scoff at. I know these guys are going to get a possible – it sounds like a new press box, which – Yeah, we want to turn to that. I wanted to get – no, you, <laughs> but, you're, you're, uh, you're both that's... not in favor of that, but they're going to do it anyway. So <laughs> they're actually going to get a press box, not a new press yeah, box. a press box, right. But 1,200 seats, and, and those are going to be your more affordable seats. Um, so uh, I don't think there's a concert – there's not an arena show that they can't get now. Nashville, that arena punches with New York, Chicago, and L.A. On the Polestar rankings, it's among the busiest in the country, and on some years, it's been among the busiest in the world. We're not one of the biggest cities in the world. <laughs> that kind of blows your mind. So there is no basketball tournament that would be held in an arena. So you kind of you don't count the Final Four, That's right? Nice. But there is no basketball tournament. There is no concert. Springsteen comes here. Every major touring act comes here that we can't get because of what they've done at that arena. Right. So what do, what do you guys think? Um, what, what does it mean to the fan? That will be our last topic. What does it mean to the, the, the person who wants to go to a, a Predators event or an SEC tournament or, or whatever else may be there? Paul, you, you went to uh, uh, I could say it means the, you have a press box to watch that. I, understand, I, I, I don't care about the press box, really. <laughs> I mean, I sat in Wrigley Field for years, and that was awful. But anyway, no, I think what it means is that – actually, repeat the question. I got a little distracted by your – repeat your question. But what, what, what does it mean for the fan, you think, the, the, the average patron who might go to Bridgestone, whether it be for hockey or well, basketball or a concert even? I, I can say this, and, and I've been to a lot of different arenas and a lot of different sports, baseball, you know, basketball, football. Um, and I think Bridgestone to me, and, and, and I'll limit it to the NHL, Bridgestone to me is in the t- easily in the top three for fan experience um, and places to watch a game. The atmosphere, the, the, the entertainment. I mean, Vegas obviously is up there um, for, you know, for obvious reasons. I think Chicago's up there because of, you know, when, when they're winning, it's, it's, you get chills when you're in there just because it's just so crazy and loud and the building shakes. And I think Nashville offers a you know, for its fan, <clears throat> the obvious options outside. I've never, I haven't been to a lot of arenas where, I mean, hours before the game, you know, people are gathering outside. It's almost like a college football game, right? Like people are outside tailgating and partying and having a good time. And, and it's almost like the, the game is secondary, right? Like, it's almost like that's just part of the entertainment. They're not just going there just for the game. There's so much to do before the game. There's so much to do during the game. And if you want, if you so choose to do after the game, whether that's, and that's not just 
going down Broadway and getting drunk, a lot of different things that you can do family-wise and, and, and whatnot. So I think the, opening up the options for a lot of different... Uh, my microphone just fell and everyone's laughing at me. Paul just dropped the mic on us. Uh, but no, the, uh, the the atmosphere they offer there, I think, is there is kind of the old saying, something for everyone. And so if you have kids and you want to go down there, you can have a good time and you don't feel like you're in the red light district, you know, and, and get, you know, that kind of thing. So I think the experience is going to probably continue to get, to get better. And they always, you know, I haven't known Sean for very long, but he, their, their philosophy seems to be to do the right thing and to do things, you know, maybe that are unconventional because they want the long-term they understand that that's going to keep people coming back. It's not just bringing people there, but they keep people coming back. Yeah. I, well, I think we should also mention that, um, you know that, that this will be this will mean more of a hit to the fan. Uh, I think it's a again. I want to make sure my numbers are right here. Another dollar surcharge on the ticket. Is that beginning sound in two correct? Years, beginning in two years, three, year, three dollars from ticket. two to three. Is that right the, for the most expensive surcharge? And okay. then and then it'll increase by five percent per year after that. So I look forward to reading it's Nate's the 5% story. Per year after I look that. forward to reading Nate's story so that when I write my column, I can like oh okay and get all the, like the the stuff right. You know. <laughs> Paste a couple graphs, and, and then we're also there's a, there's a lower price entry point once the new seats are in, so there right. are going to be cheap some cheaper seats too. Exactly. So I mean, it's uh, you know I, I think I think for the fan, you know I, I think that it is a great. There was there was some talk with Mayor Briley and with Sean Henry about the. Um, it was actually our David Plaza asked about uh, you know family friendly entertainment down there in an in area that is very much a you know bachelor bachelorette party kind of place. That's what this is. This this is that sort of oasis. And uh, you know I, I think with other stuff that's being built around there, it will probably even be less of a bar kind of area and a little bit more of a shopping. Uh, walk around. I think it's. I think it's moving that direction. So I just think for the fan long term in Nashville, it's just it's a destination. There are so many options in this city, but you know I, I think Bridgestone is still the centerpiece of everything, and uh, so this was this is good for the fan. Well, I mean, my take is just that it's easy for us as reporters to be cynical about this stuff. But the franchise was on its way out of town. And I know, like, Sean made the comparison today, and he has in the past comparing the Preds to the Green Bay Packers, who are community-owned. That's a legit comparison. I mean, the community rallied around this team, and they could have left town. I mean, there was a deal to sell the team to a Canadian billionaire who wanted to move him. And it didn't happen. And now here we are 12 years later, and they're going to be here for 30 years. And so I just try not to be so cynical about this stuff and just think, within the world of professional sports that is really cool that 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 the fans did that and now i think this is really the payoff from that effort from over a decade ago i mean i could give you the an outside perspective too because i'm still fairly new here and that's one one thing that and this is not meant as an insult at all and i've, and I've said this to sean you know over the over the last six or seven months i've gotten the the impression uh, the word I like to use is hokey. This is what this franchise is: is hokey, and that's and, it, and that's in a good way, right? It's it's very different from a lot of other cutthroat, you know, franchises who will, you know, milk you for every diamond. And be, to be sure, right? So if if the and you've seen this when the, as the predators become better, it gets more expensive to go, right? I mean, that's just the way the world works, and that everything gets more expensive. But from you know, seeing this franchise being everything being new to me here. 
the, the, the way it's operated and the way things are run and the way things are done is very, very, I can assure you is very different than 99.9% of other cities, you know, where, you know, teams are in Chicago was brought up today where, you know, like the city is subsidizing everything and, and, and people get really pissed off about that. Um, there's not a lot there. I think what they're, they try to do the right thing. I, I don't think they always do, but the, the word hokey just keeps coming to my mind because it's just, they're, I feel like they're for the most part genuine about wanting to make this city better and be a big part of making this, this city better. And, you know, that's just an outsider's perspective. I may be proven wrong on that eventually, but, you know, for right now, that's, that's really what it seems like to me. I think Chicago man calls predators hokey should be the headline of this podcast. I, I think we've kind of got that down. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll just close it with saying my experience is I've been to arenas, um, big and small, around the South for sure, and, and somewhat around the country. I've been to NBA. I've been to NHL now. I've been to college football, pro football, you name it. And um, I don't think there's a better utilized arena in the country. I really mean that when I think of, you know, been, been to Atlanta with Phillips, um, been to – you know, I've been to Bridgestone for hockey professionally. I've also been for WWE, and um, and I haven't quite caught a concert there yet, but I will, um, especially if if uh, Weird Al was indoors instead of outdoors. But I'll have to go to the amphitheater for that one. That's another podcast, people. But but I, th- I don't think there's a, an arena that is better utilized. I mean, they they seek big events, things like the SEC tournament long term. They've had regionals. They've got the hockey, the, the concert lineup is there's no type of music you could like that you couldn't catch there at least once in a season so i I think i can't see how this is a a bad thing Um, what happens in some cities and what happens in a lot of cities and what didn't happen here is your tenant gets successful your tenant start with being the predators starts pounding on the on the table and says build us a new one um atlanta's got you know they'll be tearing down mercedes-benz next year so they can build something else um they had a perfectly good dome one of the best venues i've ever seen a game in and and it's rubble you know um because they built something bigger and better they're going to make what they have bigger and better rather than than hold up the city and you know threaten hey we'll just move our franchise if you don't give us what we want and and i really like that attitude so anything anybody wants to add before we sign up uh yeah when when is weird al playing uh, Weird Al is coming to the uh, Ascend Amphitheater in June. I have to look up the date, but uh, I do plan to be there. And we've got Lenny Kravitz coming too. So, so um, I've seen Lenny, but I haven't seen Weird Al. So that's his exciting news. Thank yeah. You. So, so we'll we'll be back to talk about Weird Al Yankovic and other things on the Catfish Corner next time. <laughs>